Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us. It's April the 22nd, 2021. And Brent, we're going to talk about the outlook for crops and just all the enthusiasm that's going on. We we have about three ideas that we wanted to cover about what's fueling some of this enthusiasm. But before we did that, I wanted to rewind the clock a little bit to a year ago. We were making these videos a year ago, so you can go find them and see how far off the mark we were. But one thing that we were talking about a year ago was oil prices trading negatively. The West Texas Intermediate Contract briefly traded negative. We had an interesting story in the newsletter about a trader who was buying those contracts as they were going down and thought that negative wasn't a, a theoretical price or a, a, a realistic price that that contract could get to. And he woke up the next day with a $9 million margin call on his account. It's a fascinating story. I guess there were some glitches even in the in the trading platforms that I, I missed that story from a year ago, but there was a lot of things that happened in one of those chaotic moments that I think a lot of us will remember for a long time. That was a wild times and something that nobody ever thought was possible. And it spurred a lot of other ridiculousness to people writing articles that commodity prices might go negative and I mean, which was just not going to happen but uh well, it was, it was, it was a wild time yeah we did we wrote an article about why they weren't going to go negative how they're different happened to really understand what the situation was which was interesting in that story in the newsletter the poor guy you know he's looking at his account and it's showing a price of one cent and he's continuing to buy it of course the true price was like negative 30 at the time and his platform wasn't even showing him the real prices. Pretty wild how all that happened and how crazy things were just a year ago. And that's that brings us to today, the uh, abundance of optimism. I mean, the opposite. The Ag Economy Barometer came out. You know, you played a big role in getting that thing started and ran it for several years. And back in March, it was the lowest, some of the lowest readings it had ever recorded. And today, it's not at an all-time high, but it's awfully close to an all-time high. And, and I think three key things driving it. One, the budgets are just ridiculously good right now, I think, for most farmers. And so you're looking at a situation where things aren't, are really profitable. You know, economic profits, significant economic profits, something you know, we just haven't seen for five, six years thinking about the budgets, it's a combination of high commodity prices and some of the lowest production costs we've seen. Now, there's a lot of attention about higher fertilizer expenses, and that's, I think, foreshadowing what the story in 22 is going to be about. But generally speaking, we've been able to lock in a low cost here, one of the lowest costs, definitely well below where we've been five years ago. And this high commodity prices, some of the highest in five years, is set this spread up between production costs and what we can sell the crop for that's very unique we're all wondering when to sell or where's the high but we need to step back and consider the landscape of these right now are really big earnings there's probably more earning potential today than there's been the last several years combined and so we really yeah. got to step back and think about that the other thing i want to point out here is if these commodity prices stay where they are and if we just take these prices and can fast forward one year the earnings will not be as good because the costs of production will go up. Fertilizer prices, inputs are going to be higher as re producers use more of these resources to intensify their production. We're going to try to push those yields as 
the economic signal says we should, but also we're going to bid up things. We're going to add fixed costs. We're going to add our cash rents. We're going to add equipment. We're going to make those investments and those improvements, and that's going to raise our cost structure. And so there is a unique window here where you have a low cost structure and a high price. And that's at the beginning of these turnarounds. So we got to be very good about making sure we're disciplined and strategic about how we use these opportunities and prepare ourselves for what's likely a higher cost structure down the road. AEI, our estimates of cost of producing corn in the Heartland region are right around $4 a bushel economic costs. And you know we're locked up limit today on nearby corn, but December corn contract, I think is five, getting close to, is I think 550 today. You're looking at $1.50 economic return per bushel. That is a huge number historically, I, th- I mean, it's it's way up there. And I think that's something people really need to kind of take note of. I mean, it's, t- it's a busy time of year and everybody's, you know, getting really busy and the prices just keep going up. So, but boy, these levels of profitability are, are fairly uncommon. One of the challenges, is this a good price to sell commodities at? And if you only look at the ticker tape of the board of trade, you're going to benchmark at whatever the high is. And that's not a good way to think about this if you're marketing grain for your operation. It's can I sell it in a way that allows me to make a profit, to meet my goals? And I think a lot of folks are saying this is stressful and it's stressful to market this, but this idea of guessing where the top is versus can I make decisions that allow me to meet my goals and make some investments in the future. So it's all about how we frame the thinking or frame the game in our own mind. And we need to realize that trying to catch the high is not the objective. It's selling at a point that we can make some positive returns and make some investments for the future. I think that's very well said. So the second point here is production concerns. The second big narrative out here is you don't have to look very far to find bullish stories about the production. The first one is weather. I think we're seeing a lot of these drought monitor maps and I guess our thinking is these sometimes bias our thinking. We also have this cold weather. It was snowing in Indiana. We had snow on the ground for 24 hours. You had snow on the ground in Western Nebraska, a lot of snow in between. And now there's some concerns about maybe the winter wheat crop was a little too chilly for the crop. So the drought and this weather, uh, late cool snap impacting the production side. All of this is, of course, heightened because of the tight current supply situation. So... You know, there's just not a lot of room for error. There's not a lot of room for error on planting acres for prevent plant. Although that's where maybe we get some more acres. The prevent plant maybe comes in a little light this year relative to what it's been, certainly what it's been the last few years. There's just not a lot of room for error right now. The last thing here is is the usage story. There's a lot of excitement about usage. We've talked about China, China coming back. One of the charts, we're going to write a little more about this that we look at a lot is usage over the last 20 years and we look at a trend line and and corn usage is at the trend line soybean usage is well above the trend line but it's really important to look at where we've been the last one or two years and we were well below trend for both commodities just in 2019 and so here we are in 2020 for the 2020 marketing year and usage is up but so are the prices more buying of ag commodities at a higher price point that is a really big story it's something you don't see very often when you know usage up and prices rising a lot of times that usage story you see it drop usage drop a lot 
because prices got really, really high, like in 2012, or usage drop and prices fall a lot, like in the soybean situation with the trade war. Have them both rising and rising this aggressively uh, on the price side, I think is, is pretty encouraging on the demand side. All eyes are going to go to ending stocks. And this is where we wanted to sort of provide a, a bit of a foreshadow as what will come. So the USDA will have its May WASDE report coming out in the first few weeks of May. And that's going to be the first look at the 2021-2022 marketing year. They're going to put in acreage from that March report. They're going to plug in some trend yields, which they assume some fair weather or they have it's not the true trend that we might measure. It's sort of a, an adjusted trend, assuming favorable conditions. And they start plugging in usage. And those are early estimates. But prepare yourself. Those are going to start to be on the horizon soon. Yeah, they're, they're coming. And like you said, I think that the acreage number, pretty sure that precedent is that that's they'd use the, the survey numbers. And then, the, like you said, the trend, it'll be above kind of what you and I might estimate the trend at they they make some adjustments for i think it's like planning pace or something is what their what their adjustment is for it's small but it adds maybe a bushel or two bushels to the normal trend that's going to be coming real soon and all going to be watched real carefully and you know i think the other thing that's going to be interesting to watch is at what price does demand actually start to slow down a little bit on the old crop in particular. So this is just something to watch. Another way of thinking about that is if we used all those bushels last year, what price would it take to use the same bushels or less next year? And and it's, it's an interesting question, especially when you think about where the commodity prices are. So new crop is trading lower than the, the old crop prices, the nearby contracts. So a lot of things to keep in mind as you move forward, but it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be uh, a lot of moving pieces. So we'll keep you updated as things go ahead. We have a, a few new articles. Brent, you have your carbon market article up there. We've talked about this. It's a great read. Uh, you can share that with your friends and colleagues, get them interested in AI premium. That's a great read. I had a question about gasoline consumption in the U.S. I think I already saw someone on Twitter saying, oh, we're back to normal. Well, you're going to have a chance to put your forecast in. We drew the line at 9.5 million barrels per day by the summer. That would be a pretty strong recovery. And we have ideas that make us better on the placebo effect. So it's a very, uh, maybe a very timely topic, given all the, the vaccine conversation that's going on. So you have to take a look at all that content. Yeah, the carbon thing is crazy how much discussion there is of that and it is just all over the news. And of course, USDA is out now. I think at the end of that article, we kind of say, look, one of the mechanisms is probably going to be, you know, USDA just paying people to do some things that are perceived to be good for carbon. And that seems to be the risk. I mean, just, just really interesting. You know, we're talking about reducing acres now higher CRP rates, uh, all kinds of interesting discussions going on in a time of tight stocks, which usually doesn't happen. I think, David, you and I were both predicting that we would see some kind of supply control. Uh, maybe 18 months, two years ago, or two years ago, I'd say we thought there's a good chance that the next policy would swing way heavier towards supply control. Then what happened, you know, we kind of run out of grain on the road to that. 
So now I would say, boy, it seems unlikely. But now, I mean, it's, we still seem to be down that path. The House passed bill stimulus last fall had this emergency program called SHIP um, that was going to idle a bunch of acres. And we were bringing this up and people were saying, oh, no, this isn't going to happen. But now this week, the USDA comes out and says, yeah, we're going to put more acres in the CRP program. What's very interesting is the last farm bill raised the ceiling as the limit of CRP acres. But we just saw CRP acres continue to fall. Part of that budget, part of that, how many acres they could get bought in. But USDA this week said, we're going to get back to that ceiling. So it's effectively going to start to limit supply. So there is strong demand for ag products, but there's also demand for ag resources that aren't traditional commodities. It's carbon, it's maybe solar, it's sustainability efforts or CRP programs, all all this demand man coming into the ag space and some of these markets that are non-corn and soybean or non-livestock could actually be much bigger than the existing markets we're used to it's hard to know how big this carbon market might be but it could be very well bigger than the market for feeding people raising ag products so very interesting to think about ultimately yeah it could uh whether (laughs) read the article i think it's interesting uh we'll have more on that is that whole thing progresses but it is so much deja vu for me because i did a lot of work on that in that area in like 2007 in fact wrote an article about trying to estimate the supply curve for co2 offsets from anaerobic digestion long time ago it seems like new players new people but the same problems are still there so i remember in high school a long time ago, a classmate get an FFA speech about carbon bank and, and putting carbon in the soil and all the advantages of that. And that was one of the first times I really ever heard of this idea of a market for this type of stuff. And that was a long time ago. And it's came back and it's got a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of uh, a lot of enthusiasm from almost every side. Like there's just this, everyone's excited about it. There's really not anybody. There's a market of people who want to buy these things. There's a market for people who want to sell these things. And there's somebody in the middle who wants to be the clearinghouse to make sure everyone's happy on both sides. So that's the, I think that's the unique part of where we are. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We'll catch you back next week. In the meantime, stay curious. Stay curious.